Always Evolving is brought to you by Cast Centers, which is a company and organization very close to me. I founded Cast Centers over 17 years ago. We provide the best evidence-based practices for therapy, mental health, addiction, Anytime you're struggling or you have a loved one who is struggling, make sure you go to our website at www.castcenters.com, C-A-S-T, centers.com. Give us a call. We're here to help. We'll help you with a free assessment, and let's get your mental health on track. We are going to talk today about the biggest self-help free support groups in the world. I'm sure you've heard of one of the support groups, Alcoholics Anonymous, which was founded in 1935 by Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob, Dr. Robert Holbrook. And today, AA has a presence of approximately being in 180 nations worldwide. There's over 123,000 AA groups around the world, and the literature has been translated in over 100 languages. And after AA was created, tons and tons of support groups have been created from it. Everything from Food Addicts Anonymous to Narcotics Anonymous to Al-Anon, to, I mean, there's over 50 different types of 12-step support groups. There's Love Addicts Anonymous, Spenders Anonymous. There's even Kleptomaniacs and Shoplifters Anonymous. Anything you can think of in terms of a support group. So why? Why do these simple steps have so much impact in the world? And why are they also controversial to so many people? Well, I'll tell you. The reason, at least in my own life, because the 12 steps have changed my life tremendously, and the types of 12-step meetings that I go to, it's a community of people that are all working towards or working through getting better or getting well in whatever area they're struggling with. I'll always have people reaching out to me on social media saying, Coach Mike, I need help, but I can't afford therapy. Well, you can go to 12-step recovery meetings for free. And like I said, there are so many different kinds. And since the pandemic and Zoom, you can go attend a meeting almost at any time of the day. But I want to talk to you in case you don't know anything about the 12 steps. And I'm just sharing with you my own experience. So this is not to say that I am the leading expert on the 12 steps. Also, one of the traditions, the 12 steps have 12 traditions. And one of the traditions is not to actually talk about uh, recovery, 12 steps, in TV, radio, and film. However, when this was created and the traditions were created, there was a big stigma with being a recovering alcoholic. You know, I I meet people all the time and say, hey, I'm a recovering alcoholic and addict, as if it's just uh, one of the thousand descriptions about me. 
But back in 1930s, it was not popular, trendy, cool, or and there wasn't a lot of compassion for the person that was an alcoholic. And ironically, I kind of explored podcasts to see if there was a lot of recovery and 12 steps being discussed on podcasts. And there were hundreds and hundreds of podcast episodes all about the 12 steps in recovery. So because of all that, I felt comfortable enough to do this with you today. And I thought I would share with you what the 12 steps are in case you don't know what they are, why people have hesitation with working the 12 steps, and my own interpretation and journey working through the 12 steps. So in order to work the 12 steps, you have to have someone to work them with. And that someone needs to have had the experience of working the 12 steps. Because the 12th step is carrying the message to the person that's still struggling. I have the same sponsor that I had over 20 years ago. Uh, his name's Mark Hertz. And I love Mark. We couldn't be further from being different. Mark is from Indiana. He's got a ponytail. He's an outdoors guy. Uh, he was a, uh, well, I don't want to dig into what his drugs of choice were, but they were different than mine. Um, he's a different, uh, has a different sexual preference than me. Uh, he has kids. He's married. I mean, there's so many different factors, but the, the thing I love about Mark is that he takes me through the 12 steps. He's my sponsor. And sponsorship is free. Does not cost a dime. So, the way I'm working the 12 steps right now is through what's called the Narcotics Anonymous Step Working Guide, which is extensive with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of questions. And I reconnected with Mark because I told him I need to go back through working the 12 steps. I am finding myself having resentments of uh, people in the past. One way that I know I have resentments is if I imagine being in the same room with someone that I don't like, what would my level of energy be? Could I handle the situation and be at my best self? Do I owe any amends, which I'm going to get into because that's the step I'm on right now. And what does making amends actually mean? And how do I take an inventory of myself? How do I look at my fears? And how do I be around other people who are going through the same journey? So the first step, if you don't know it, is we admitted that we were powerless over our blank. It can be anything. That our lives have become unmanageable. So for me, it's we admitted that we were powerless over our addiction and that our lives have become unmanageable. For someone else, it may be that they became powerless over their spending. They became powerless over food. And the word powerlessness to me is lost the ability to control, lost the ability to handle it like a normal person would. So a quote normal person, and I'll say normie, a normie uh, could have a slice of cake and not eat the whole cake, right? Or maybe a normie turns down cake because they're thinking, oh, I shouldn't have sugar this late. Whereas other people who may have more of a problem may eat alone. Maybe there's hiding and sneaking, self-sabotaging, emotional eating. 
And so they would maybe say, we admitted that we were powerless over our food addiction and that our lives had become unmanageable. For other people, it could be gambling. Some people, it's for their depression. But for me, it was admitting that I was powerless, that once I put a substance in my body that's mood or mind-altering, that after that, I lose the ability to control. And losing the ability to control is controlling my emotions, controlling the obsession to want to do more. So that's why some people, when they put sugar in their bodies, they get the obsession to have more and more. And that our lives have become unmanageable. Unmanageable means prioritizing it ahead of other things that are commitments, unmanageable with our emotions, unmanageable because maybe we push people away. And the same thing can apply if you're codependent, anything. And the 12 steps of recovery of any program of the 12 steps, there's no person that is running this thing. It is all community-based. So there's a set of rules, you can attend a meeting, and a lot of people will go to meetings and they won't work the 12 steps, although it is highly encouraged and that's why it's read at the beginning of the meeting and that's why often you'll hear the speaker share it at a meeting. So the first step is basically going, I'm screwed, I need help. I, I, things are out of control, I can't control this anymore. I'll often see with people with drinking problems People that have not accepted that they were powerless will say, well, I can drink liquor instead of beer or red wine. I can have red wine because white wine is the stuff that really gets me. So you'll see this a lot with people who are trying to control their drinking. The second step, and this is where a lot of people get lost, and this is where a lot of people end up not staying in the program is we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. That is step two. And by the way, when you get through step one, your sponsor will give you different assignments. There'll be different action items. It's not something, the 12 steps are not something that you can just go, okay, I'm screwed. I believe there's a power out there. Help me. You really have to take a deep look at all your reservations, all the ways that it's become unmanageable. It's really putting a mirror up to this part of you that has reared its ugly head and getting rigorously honest. So step two is we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Same thing over and over again, expecting different results. I, like you, have done this many times, whether it's been in relationships, whether it's been done with different people in my life, whether it's been done with, oh, I'll just stop tomorrow, I'll just quit this. It's Insanity is that part of us that is the obsession, the obsession with doing that very thing that got us in trouble the first time. The step is about believing that there's a power or energy or force in the world that can change you to relieve this obsession. That this obsession can go away. A lot of people don't believe it because maybe you have struggled with this obsession your entire life. So how is it going to go away overnight? 
Other people may be atheist. They may believe that they may be hurt by this idea of a power greater than ourselves. And so they may have limitations. The next step is where many, many people start to check out because it has the word God. And it's we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Few problems that people have. One, as we understood him, implying that it's a man. So some people have an issue with that. The other is the care of God. Because unless someone really believes in God, they can check out and say, hey, we're talking about God here. Why does it say that? Well, there's a few things. One is this was created in the 1930s. Secondly, um, your version as if you go to meetings or if you ever go or if you ever work the 12 steps, really what's hammered home is it is your definition of what God is in your own life, authentically. What is God? For some people, it's an initial. It's good orally direction. But basically, it's making a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of our higher power as we understood our higher power. For some people, it's their higher self. For me, it's my best self. When I make a decision to turn my will and my life over to my best self, I'm being authentic. I'm operating out of love. I'm being in the moment. And I feel like I'm having a spiritual experience. The problem is, again, the way of that a lot. But when I don't, it is locked in. Next, we get into step four. Many people get into what's called the fourth step blues. And again, a lot of people don't get this far because we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. We made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. And this is where we start to write down everything we're afraid of, everyone we resent, people that have harmed us, people that we've harmed. It's really taking a look at our lives back to when we were kids, teenagers, young adults, and today, and taking a truthful, honest look at who hurt us, what was our part in it, what fears do we have, and every sponsor is different in how they take someone through these 12 steps. With mine, we work through the step working guide, with other people that work out of the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, and in other groups, they'll have their own format. But it is extensive. So for example, in the step working guide I work out of, it says, what people do I resent? Explain the situations that led to the resentment. What institutions do I resent? And we get into feelings. It says, what feelings do I have the most trouble allowing myself to feel? What means have I used to deny how I really feel? We get into guilt and shame. And then in the fifth step, it is about sharing this all with another person. So step five is we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. That's when we talk to our sponsor or another human being, and we share with them everything that we've written down on the fourth step. And that person may listen, that person may give us feedback, and that's about really having an honest, honest look at how we ended up being who we are today and what has happened to us today. 
step six. So a lot of people don't get through the fifth step. I hear this all the time. And a lot of those people will come in and out of meetings. And the way I viewed the 12 steps was, look, I'm not big on the whole joining a community and, you know, especially anything that is, you know, feels like I'm being told what to do. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to do everything that is suggested of me and then let me decide. And let me tell you, so many great blessings and gifts have happened in my life. And I'm currently working the 12 steps right now with my sponsor. We've been working the 12 steps all year this year, and it has been tremendous for me. So in step six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. That is step six. So this is the idea that we can't remove these defects of character. That's something out there. Something or someone out there can help us remove all these defects of character. But we have to be ready because sometimes we like to hold on to the very things that we don't want to let go of. I realized this last time when I was doing step six that I am afraid to give people uh, news that would hurt their feelings or that could affect my relationship to them. So I'm one of those who has avoided certain conversations one of my defects of character is talking behind people's backs instead of talking directly to the person and having a real conversation, which I'm working on diligently. I also, on my step six, was working through this idea where I would find myself kind of being rejected. And then instead of seeing it as the universe has a plan, it was almost as if I would want the person to see me differently And, oh, you just don't know me. And I would have a hard time accepting what I would perceive as rejection. Also, I had difficulty with intimate relationships. So at times, especially in my family, my defects of character, and for any of you, your defects of character will show up in your family. They can poke at us and push buttons that no one else can, besides maybe your significant other. And so for me, I want to work to be a better man. I, want to, I don't want to have these defects of character get in the way of my relationship with people in my life and with, with myself. Then in step seven, we humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. We humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. So my sponsor says step six is about taking action. Um, it's about making changes. I've now learned that it's about pausing before speaking. It's about having conversations that may be uncomfortable for me. And I, for a long time, because of the way I grew up and the family I grew up in, I avoided certain types of conversations because I thought they would be emotionally uncomfortable for me. And now... I'm really digging into trying to be the best grown-up version of Mike as possible. So step seven is about asking, being aware, wanting these shortcomings to be removed. Step eight is we made a list of all persons we have harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. So I have not worked the 12 steps in about 15 years. So I looked at the past 15 years of all the people I've harmed. And when I say harmed, talked poorly about them, maybe behind their back anyone I owed money to, anyone that I've harmed in any sort of way, anyone that haunts me, 
that I look at it and go, God, I did not treat that employee right, or I did not handle that person right, or I was insensitive. So in this step, which I did, I've written down every single person that I perceive that I've harmed. And then in step nine, where I'm at right now, is my sponsor had me write three lists and I would number them. One is the people that I have no issue making amends to because step nine is we made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. So this is about making amends unless it would hurt them or others. And this doesn't say we made direct apologies. This says we made direct amends. So amends... The difference is to amend is to recorrect, to correct a situation. And so for me, I have amends that I need to make in, in which I need to ask the person, what can I do to make this right? My experience of working the 12 steps is the majority of the people that I've had on my amends list that I've made amends with said, Mike, what are you talking about? I, I didn't even notice. <laughs> but for me, it haunted me because it went against my values and it was upsetting. So my sponsor has me make three lists. One is the people I can make amends with easily and I have no problem with. Two is I don't really feel like doing it. They hurt me too. And and uh, number three is they hurt me so much worse than I hurt them. Why the hell am I making amends to them? So that's a part of the process right now that I have listed and I'm gonna review with my sponsor, but I'm gonna go through the rest of this because it is what I have done in the past. And the great thing about 12 steps is you can do it at any time in your life. All you need is a sponsor to take you through it. And 10, we continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. So step 10 is about, instead of having to go back and make this long amends list for the past 15 years, let's say, now it's about Reviewing the day, taking a look and saying to ourselves, do I owe amends? Is there anyone I should make an amends to? Anyone that I need to recorrect and let them know that I was in the wrong or how do I make it right? Step 11, we're almost at the 12th step, is about we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. So step 11 really is focused on improving our spiritual development, our spiritual state of mind, our spiritual essence through prayer, through meditation, and to continually what I would call being our best selves, being our authentic best selves. For some people, it's their alignment with Jesus, for other people, it's an alignment with mother nature and energy. And for other people, it may be that it's an alignment with who they truly are, unafraid, fearless. Step 12, and why my sponsor exists and why people keep at this is having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. So after you've worked the 11th step, you get to the 12th step, and this is about now you're going to sponsor other people, you're going to help other people who are in that place that you were in, and that you're going to carry this message and help others. And this is a big reason why there are so many meetings and so many people is 
by helping another person with what you struggled with and got to the other side of, it is one of the best feelings in the world because you're mentoring, you're helping, you're, you're seeing yourself in them and it helps you. So that is my brief rundown of the 12 steps. Apologies if I did not include certain impressions uh, for those of you in recovery who work 12-step program. Just figured I'd give you a little bit of flavor into the 12 steps and what they are um, because we hear a lot about it. It is not a religious organization. It does not say that you have to believe in God. You can believe in a power greater than yourself, whatever that means. Or you could believe in God. You can choose to go to a variety of different meetings. Some meetings will be a fit, some won't. But at the end of the day, if you're looking for a community that is working through the very issue that you're struggling with today, I can almost guarantee you there's a 12-step program out there. And if someone like me, who's doing this after first entering this program over 20 years ago, is doing it today, you sure can do it today too. So until next time, keep it magical and keep evolving.